Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Um, so before we get into this new episode, which is on Evangelion, a couple things. This is the first part of uh, one recording session that's being split into two. The first part is going to be about the original Neon Genesis Evangelion series, and the second part is going to be on the end of Evangelion movie. Um, we just split it due to time, um, and uh, Matt and I were joined by Kevin Derendorf of the great Mazer Patrol podcast and author of the book Kaiju for Hipsters, which I highly recommend. Um, and also, I want to let everyone know to check out the movie Graveyard podcast episode on Gorgo that just came out. Uh, we'll put links up on the Facebook page and everything. But myself and Tom, who's been a frequent co-host on Kaiju Transmissions, did a commentary for the movie Gorgo. Um, and it was a lot of fun. We got into a lot of the history of the movie and, um, you know, the the things that it um, kind of pioneered and how it's even a bit of an underrated classic. So go to the Movie Graveyard podcast, check that out. And if you haven't already, uh, Matt, Tom, and myself did a Godzilla 98 commentary um, on Movie Graveyard. So thanks to the GOAT of Movie Gra- Graveyard podcast for having us again. It was a lot of fun. And... Um, Anyway, yeah, so enjoy uh, this episode on the original Evangelion series. Uh, It's going to end pretty abruptly with our ratings. So, um, yeah, and just keep an eye out for the end of Evangelion episode to follow up. All right. And welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. I am your host. Uh, my name is Kyle Bird. I am joined by a co-host. Hey, everybody! It's Matt Parmley. How are you? I'm tired, uh, which is fitting for this particular episode. All right. I'm drained. Well, it's good to have you here. You too, man. But we also have a special guest. Yes. Uh, so, um. Our topic is Neon Genesis Evangelion, which uh, is a extremely popular giant monster, giant robot. Well, exhausting. Yeah, uh, <laughs> anime. And you know, Matt and I said if we're going to tackle this, a, I don't think either of us uh, are, are too knowledgeable about anime. You know, I mean, I've seen stuff here and there. But we need someone to come in who's familiar with the material and knows a great deal about anime. So who else could we call 
other than Kevin Derendorf of the great blog Mazer Patrol. Probably, in my opinion, the best blog uh, about Japanese genre stuff that there is. Um, so, Kevin, say hello. Wow, hello. That was a <laughs> quite the, the flattering introduction there. Yeah, I, I try to be a, an, an ambassador for uh, for anime amongst uh, Tokusatsu fans and vice versa, and uh, uh, ho- hopefully I do an okay job there. That, that is, that's why you're here, and, and if there's any anime that has tons of tokusatsu and kaiju film roots, it's this one, and... Um, you know, I've seen your panels at the G-Fest and everything, and I know it's something that, uh, you know, you will be able to interject and teach us a thing or two. Actually, I think that was, it made this, asking you to come on this particular episode a no-brainer just because of all the, I, they, they were very, it was very dense. I mean, there was so much information that you provided at the uh, the anime panel that you provided. It, it That this episode, I mean, seemed like a natural fit. So I'm really glad that you agreed to come on. Oh yeah, I'll, well, I'll I'll talk about anything regardless if I'm qualified or not. So, uh. <laughs> it is interesting that I mean, uh, there's a, there's a lot of crossover, obviously, but it's interesting that there is such a divide between anime fans and kaiju fans sometimes. And I mean, yeah, that's the whole idea behind the those panels is like, hey, some of this stuff isn't so different after all. Yeah, it would, it would strike me as weird as someone being like, oh, anime's for nerds, but let me go watch giant robots punch giant monsters in the face and fall on, you know, quote-unquote cardboard buildings. Like, it doesn't... There seems to be a disconnect. And I, I mean, I watch a fair amount of anime, but I, I'm i certainly not a connoisseur, a connoisseur of everything. Like, I love Big O, which would be a great entry point for most kaiju fans, and I grew up with, like, Dragon Ball and Gundam Wing and, and you know, Cowboy Bebop, stuff like that. Those are all really cool shows and the fact that people would be so dismissive of an entire medium it's kind of bizarre to me because you, you basically like the same thing just live action form if you're a if you're a monster movie fan yeah i mean that's actually one that uh well first of all i hear that perspective all the time from the other way around where you have the the uh the anime fans that are like Ugh, live action thing ew gross cooties uh it, it is funny that you mentioned Big O because Big O is probably the series that is the closest to Evangelion on like so many levels. Uh, you know, all all of the references to things and the you know confusing as heck ending and <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know, giant robot presentation. Big O is like uh, Batman the animated series with a detective and a, and a butler and a maid that actually help him out, but then with the giant robot. And giant monsters, so the, it, it's a lot of. Also, the the dub is is wonderful in my opinion. I I love that dub. So, plus, and, and the the score, the music is just. I mean, I really like that show a lot, and I, I feel like that would be a great entry point for a lot of people. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about <laughs> Evangelion. Uh, I guess I guess if we have to, we shouldn't <laughs> run away. Oh man. Um. Surprisingly enough, though, this has been this has been quite a big request. I think I'm a fan. I I really enjoy the show, and uh, the 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 end of Evangelion I think is a, a a great little weird movie. But um, 
you know, uh, Matt, Matt, I've noticed lately we've been, like, filling people's requests, which I guess is what we should have been doing for, like, this whole time, but, <laughs> but yeah. Well, I, the, fact, the fact that we're getting requests at all is kind of cool. <laughs> that's so, true. Send us, send us your, your suggestions. We, uh, helps us think outside the box if we haven't, we have a massive list of, like, potential episodes, but it's always nice to have something that people actually want to hear about. Yeah. And, Matt, it, it's interesting that, I, like, I'm, I'm like, the big Evangelion fan, and you, like, I'm, I'm you were, you, how, but, like, <laughs> how, you were up my ass about doing this episode for, like, a long time now. Like, well, initially, I wanted to argue with you about the show, and then I rewatched it, because the first time that I watched it, I was, like, 10, which I don't know how that happened but it did and then i rewatched it specifically for you know this and I, my, my feelings towards it changed although much like every character in this entire show i'm just very confused so we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there yes we'll get there. uh it, i yeah i mean we should get it right out of the way we're all aware that the show is confusing it's convoluted it's messy um and that's a little bit of it's charm depending on who you talk to so um i don't know matt are you familiar with gynax animation studio yeah actually uh i was mainly because i knew that ano and shinji higuchi um worked there together and obviously ano and higuchi also did shin godzilla but i'm not i wasn't too familiar with all the uh the really cool short, the really cool shorts they did that kind of yeah. brought them together. Well, uh, yeah. Well, let's let's talk about that. Where where did this, I guess, all start? Um, and Kevin uh, is uh, is a much well, <laughs> more of an anime historian than we are, so he'll be able to shed a lot of light. I'm imagining. Well, where it started was Osaka University of Arts in the year 1980, but. Yeah, see, I don't know these things. <laughs> see, I didn't know that. I was just going to say, in the early 80s, a group of young animators, including Hideaki Anno and Shinji Higuchi and other future anime creators, started uh, the Daikon Film Anime Studio. Uh, and their first works were these short little animated intro videos created for the Japanese National Science Fiction Convention. And... Um, uh, they followed this character that was a girl in the first short... Uh, or in the second short, she wears a bunny outfit, and she just kind of fought all kinds of science fiction, pop culture characters. Godzilla, Darth Vader, the Xenomorph from Alien, Ultraman, Gundam, Spider-Man, and uh, Lord everything else under the sun. They're on YouTube. They're actually pretty cool. They're called Daikon 3 and 4. Um, Matt, you just watched those for the first time. So, uh, I mean, yeah, just briefly uh, talk about those, because I know that you thought they were a lot of fun. Um, no, this is this was actually a lot of fun. There, it's like, I think, combined 12 minutes long, and Godzilla, I mean, Gamera, uh, Bolton's in there, uh, Elking's in there as well. Like, it's really just a ton of different references to everything that we love, and it's done in, like, you know, 12 minutes, and it's just, it's, it's a ton of fun. Plus, it, it plays up the... Uh, I mean, what would you call that, Kevin? The the girl in the the space that like the girl is basically indestructible, and she's got like a jet backpack and all these crazy moves and stuff. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so she's gotta, sort sort of a superhero type of archetype, and the reason why she's a bunny is that 
the the mascot is, is the radish because daikon is a you know type of radish i mean it's also daikon like giant convention so uh, oh, that's, there the, you go. that's what each one of those conventions you know the third one and the fourth one so they did the opening for the for the third convention and blew everyone away and then they really up their game for the for the next time they had the convention they did that amazing opening set to uh twilight by electric light orchestra yeah <laughs> which was so bizarre to hear that song for that but it was also kind of cool it's become like a part of like otaku dna so there is there's a drama series uh densha otoko the train man uh that's about a the uh a, a, an otaku guy dating a uh, a regular non-otaku woman and you know hence hence drama that's like practically interracial in japan uh, <laughs> uh but yeah like the opening credits are uh are uh the twilight so it's like they, they licensed the song for that drama they didn't license it for these for these shorts hence uh good luck finding this outside of youtube yeah they they were released on Laserdisc, which I think makes it the first ever anime that was released directly to home video. So that's a huh. fun trivia. Um, so uh, yeah, these shorts got them a lot of attention. They changed their name to Gynax in '85. Uh, their first commercial work was the feature film Royal Space Force: The Wings of Honie. Well, hold on, hold on. I need to. Okay. <laughs> you pulled a bat. Honie ho. <laughs> Hone, Honeyamise? For the love of God, Kevin, help. <laughs> Honeyamise. Okay, thank you. Uh, and this was followed by other successful OVAs like Gunbuster and Otako no Video, which I actually just watched for the first time, interestingly enough, about a week and a half ago, um, which is kind of a love-hate letter to otaku culture. Uh, Kev, or, uh, Matt, you haven't seen anything, so I'm assuming you don't know what I'm talking about, right? I read a synopsis okay. of it. Kevin, it you've seen it, right? Painful. Yeah. So you, you can you can actually see Hideaki Anno in that like he, he has a role of like a disgruntled video gamer getting interviewed. Yeah, it's it's an interesting film and yeah, I watched it and I was like it, that's that's how I can it's a love hate letter because you know, you have your protagonists, which are, you know, likable, you know, and then they go to the real life, like Otaku, which are played by real people. Yeah, one of them's Ano, and they're just like these, like, like dwellers of like the underbelly of society, and that are just like, like they're just kind of portrayed as like these weirdos. Um, I don't know, Matt. You you should you should check it out at some point. And Gynax is picking up steam. They have these OVAs. Um, so, Matt, uh, so, Ano Higuchi, um, and, uh, and the rest of the crew, um, are, are doing some interesting things, so, Matt, you want to tell us about that, and I'm assuming Kevin will interject a lot, because this is where his, uh, you know, his knowledge of anime history is probably gonna teach us a thing or two. Yeah, the, uh... The first prominent anime series from Gainax was the Jules Verne-inspired Nadia Secret of the Blue Water. Um, I'm assuming, Kevin, you've probably seen that. Can you tell us a, a little bit about it as it pertains to maybe Ava or just Anna's work? All right. Yeah, so basically uh, Nadia was was their second big success. And it, it came from it was the idea was uh, proposed by Hayao Miyazaki. Uh, who Anno had worked with on uh, Nausicaa, The Valley of the Wind. He was a, an animator on that. Uh, 
so it has that extra like Ghibli popularity push to it as well. Um, uh, and okay, so it's nominally based on uh, 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 Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, except it towards the end you have a showdown between the Neo Atlantean Empire and Captain Nemo in his flying submarine. And I don't know if there's a tokusatsu that perhaps <laughs> flying submarine, huh? Yes. Gee. And the 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 undersea people trying to uh, reclaim the surface land. Uh, I mean, the the submarine it actually looks a lot like the Moonlight SY three, but you know, there's all sorts of uh, tokusatsu stuff in that because uh, Ano is is a nerd like that. I mean, uh, even. Pretty much anything that we've mentioned thus far has all sorts of all sorts of references in it. Anyway, uh, so the, the the series revolves around this girl uh, Nadia, who uh, believes she's from Africa at first, and it's it's set in the 1800s, and uh, she's she basically goes on an on an adventure and meets up with her father, who's uh, Captain Nemo. I, I suppose that's a spoiler, but the series is from 1990. Nah, so, <laughs> um, anyway, uh, uh, basically, what happens is the series is successful, and the order gets extended. So, rather than being a 26 episodes, it's it's 39, I think, that they they bring it out to, uh, but they don't get their budget increased. So suddenly, they have to squeeze out all of these these uh, extra episodes and. Ano sort of makes the executive decision, like, all right, well, let's just have ten episodes where nothing happens, uh, and uh, th- that's the later half of the series, which was mostly directed by Shinji Higuchi, and a lot of people will tell you to skip those episodes. Um, I would say don't skip those episodes because, you know, for one thing, one of the things is that you find out is what the titular secret of Blue Water is. Uh, the, the secret of Blue Water is that Nadia is actually from the planet M78, uh, and oh. her people in, in Atlantis were constructing giant humanoids called Adam, which, I don't know, that might have some relevance later on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to go back to uh, Nazca for a second. I know that, um, you, and Kevin, you can correct me on this, but so so Anno worked on that, obviously, and he, he provided some of the animation sequences specifically i thought he worked on um a couple creature pieces i'm trying to remember that the name of that creature is that, is that correct I'm, I'm trying to piece together what he actually yeah so the, there's a bit where they're uh they're reviving this uh, giant humanoid called the god warrior uh and basically that was in, almost entirely animated by hideaki Anno. so it, they, they revive this giant creature to fight other giant creatures big big bugs called ohm and uh so that was that was almost like something Ano could put on his resume that uh, he he had worked on this. I mean, he also worked on uh, Super Dimension Fortress Macross, which was a huge success. Yeah, Macross is a huge huge thing. I know the the God Warrior is important because obviously they made that short giant God Warrior appears above Tokyo, which is pretty awesome. If you haven't seen that, that's pretty much widely available um, on, on on the internet. And then the attack specifically from the God Warrior that like kind of pencil thin laser beam will later be used, obviously as God, uh, Shin Godzilla's major uh, breath attack. Yep, it's a it's a purple beam that slices through everything, so it's very uh, reminiscent there. And yeah, that short was made for the this Tokusatsu museum that Ano put together, uh, and then it actually played in front of the third Evangelion reboot movies in uh, theaters, and is on the 
the home video release in Japan, but not in the U.S. because Studio Ghibli and Disney and rights and blah 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 blah. Yeah, it seems like a, a, a common thing. So we mentioned that um, Nadia's completion essentially left Gynex in a lot of debt. So after Nadia was finished, um, they went to make or Gynex was going to make a sequel to a show called The Royal Space Force. Um, they didn't have the budget to make the movie, and so it was actually canceled. And then in 1991, um, Anna was unable to distance himself from the completion of Nadia, and, and he kept trying to get you know po- projects off the ground. And um, he eventually got a freed up schedule, and he struck a deal between Gynax and King Records. And basically, uh, King Records provided Gynax with a slot for anything, quote unquote, that they produced. Um, this is when Anna got to work on Evangelion. He, he'd had. You know, obviously there were big problems with the ending for um, for for Nadia, but before that, there was also the uh, his his previous big series was the OVA directed video thing, uh, Gunbuster, which was initially supposed to have run for four episodes and got extended out to six, and they were just sort of winging it because you had basically one person is like, hey, let's make a mecha show, and one person like, hey, let's make a war drama, hey, let's make a show about cute girls doing cute things, and they were telling Shinji Higuchi, well, just draw some storyboards, and we'll make it work later. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so the the last episode of that is also, like, it's it's entirely in black and white, which could be an artistic thing, but then, like, there's big swaths of it where, like, the final battle is just storyboards instead of actual animation. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. yeah, it sounds... Very <laughs> so I, I know Gunbuster actually has a pretty big following. I've never seen it. It is on my list. I have a couple of friends who are uh, huge fans of that show. Oh, it's uh, it's fantastic. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it, it, it it shouldn't work based on the story premise, which is like they decided to uh, take aim for the ace, which is uh, tennis drama, and uh, redo it like Starship Troopers. Uh, but yeah, it's awesome though. <laughs> oh, it's 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 absolutely incredible, and I'd I'd suggest watching the whole show. Don't it's like it's available now, compiled down into a single movie, but it's only six episodes, so you can you know watch it in in one sitting, and uh, it's got a phenomenal ending, and and then you can you can see your your, your tropes uh, that um, that uh, happen throughout Ano's career. You know, the main character in Gunbuster is named uh, Noriko, uh, uh, which is the uh, the name of uh, Shinji Higuchi's wife. So of course later in Evangelion, the main character is named Shinji, or uh, you know one of the one of the rival pilots that shows up in Gunbuster is a this foreign brilliant redheaded girl, uh, which is a trope that you see again in say Kayako and Patterson, or you know maybe another character somewhere else. <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's a very specific trope that we'll see talk about in just a minute. Um, so Kevin, you want to talk about? Uh, the the production of Evangelion. Uh, sure. Uh, so, the a lot of the uh, animation for Evangelion was was handled by uh, Tatsunoko Productions, who uh, had you know done all sorts of things. Uh, they actually have a weird long history of success in the U.S. for things that aren't like uh, <laughs> they did Speed Racer, they did Gatchaman, they did Macross. Uh, so, you know, Ano has some connections through that to, to get this thing off the ground uh, with, with Tatsunoko animation. Um, and uh, things started off pr- 
pretty well, but sort of as the show was going on, things were running behind schedule. There were problems with uh, with sponsorship, uh, and sort of halfway through, they start changing things for whatever reason. Um, part of it could be the the sarin gas attacks that happened in 1995. A lot of shows around the time were retooled because of that. Um, but then you also had Anno is maybe having a little bit of a breakdown because of the the pressure of things and things get weirdly meta so he's he's rewriting the scripts for this for the show like it's not following the the outlines that they had initially planned on uh at the same time you have the characters on screen making cryptic comments about like oh don't rewrite the script like this and like so uh it gets uh it, it it gets messy, uh, and I mean things things get very convoluted as as things go along, and and there were issues, you know, that uh, they weren't moving a lot of merchandise. Ratings weren't actually very good uh, when this show first aired. It was at like a time for kids and families, which uh, oh, God was, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perhaps perhaps not the the wisest. Like, it was rebroadcast later on late night TV. Uh, and did much better there. It's actually a lot like what happened with uh, Ultraman Nexus a decade later. But uh, yeah, so there is, you know, there's there's sex stuff in this, which would get Ano in trouble later with a show called Kari Kano. And uh, there's uh, around episode 20 or so, there's some really violent robot battles, which also, you know, got got things a little got people a little ticked off with them but mostly it was they were they were running out of out of money as they were going along and for episodes 21 forward you basically get revisions so 21 through 24 there are director's cuts for all of those episodes because they weren't happy with what was actually on television and then once you get to episodes 26 and uh 25 and 26 uh they just flat out don't do a conclusion. They do a stock footage, uh, existential. The whole thing takes place inside a character's mind, even though we got a ep- next episode preview for some something that doesn't happen. And there's hints of like, oh, there must be something really interesting going on. But no, we're going to like sit in front of a in front of a a stage while a character con- contemplates whether he likes himself or not. So people people were upset about that. <laughs> Uh, and uh, as a result, uh, they, there was uh, there was a lot of well, frankly, there was death threats. There was uh, the studio got vandalized. It was not pretty. But uh, a couple of years later, uh, they they did a couple of theatrical outings and and made good on things. And that's the the ending of Evangelion. And they never decided to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think that's. Probably the most creative way they could have handled that situation is, you know, turning it inward and reducing the characters to just, like, moving lines and storyboards and, like, reducing them to, like, their their basic traits, basically, and, like examine what has been going on this whole time but yeah i mean it's it's interesting because without end of evangelion i don't know what i would make of that finale uh it's it's definitely it's memorable for that reason (laughs) ahead of ahead of a lot of others like if it had just had a very standard ending from the get-go like it would probably be a, a fondly remembered show for a lot of people but this 
it's almost like a it's almost like a religious thing where there's something vague but it's also really complicated and you just sort of like squint at it and like there's a meaning here i just don't know what it is so oh, that's, yeah. that really draws people in and then you get into these long deliberations about well well what does this mean what does that mean and then yeah. you ask the creator and he says well it's up to you to so make up know. the ending for yourself <laughs> yeah thanks david lynch yeah so that's a very lynchian uh, uh response um we should say uh, Anno is a interesting guy, um, very introverted. Um, he suffers from manic depression, and um, yeah, I, I think especially through when Kevin, you were giving that history, I think it becomes evident that somewhere in the middle of the show, he kind of shifts gears and basically the, the the he's 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 working through some some tough tough stuff about himself and he uh, kind of all, all, basically all the characters go crazy <laughs> yeah I, I i think there's i think all the characters there's a little bit of him in there and i i think that he he was kind of using the series to to work through a lot of things and yeah I, all the characters are crazy and um I know one of the things that Anno has said about the success of the show is that he doesn't. He said I don't. He doesn't understand it. He said all the characters are awful and sick people, and he said I don't understand why people love them. <laughs> and to an extent, he's not wrong. Well, there's a lot to be said for presentation, and Evangelion takes a lot of shortcuts with the animation, but when it doesn't, it is gorgeous. And it's got great music, and it's got great character designs. So even if you don't, you know, actually watch the show, odds are, you know, you can be sold on get a get a a plushie or a uh, a figurine or a, a a hug pillow or something with yeah, yeah. your favorite <laughs> character on it. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I guess we'll 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 get into a little bit more in the review portion. But it, it's definitely a different approach to a monsters versus mechs show and to have the creator basically using it as his own like self-therapy is is what i think it makes it as interesting as it is um and again this is all on regular television where like you get ambitious weird stuff in the 80s on video but not, you know, beamed directly into people's houses like this. And I think that's a big part of why it was, uh, you know, made such that in- indelible mark and sort of shook up the whole television landscape. Yeah. Um, and it, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about just what this did for anime uh, and on TV and even internationally. But I guess I have been tasked with giving a synopsis for this damn show, right? Yeah, God's All right. Man. All right. Um... <laughs> Well, I'll preface this by saying I'm going to leave a lot out, but it's because it's a a show with a lot of subplots, uh, uh, convoluted um, backstory, and I'm going to do my best. You know, no no one else was willing to do it, so I'm going to throw myself into the fire. So Evangelion is about a young man, his name is Shinji. Uh, he, I think the I think the the kids in this are about fourteen, 
and he is recruited by his father to uh, pilot what's known as an EVA. And um, these EVAs, these mechs, or so we think, maybe they're mechs, maybe not, um, they, uh, they defend the Earth against these giant monsters from outer space, usually, called angels. Um, and a lot of the show, uh, the, one of the big mysteries is, you know, what are these monsters, you know, these angels, what, what do they want, why do they keep coming here? Um, now, uh, the, thing, the, the reason they needed to uh, create the Evas is because every living thing has what's called an AT field. It is a field that um, surrounds all of us and uh, basically keeps us together you know, uh, our physical contents, um, and the angels are, uh, their AT field is so strong that it's an actual force field, um, and so they need to make something just as strong to be able to penetrate through their AT field and kill them, and those are the Evas. Now, uh, what I didn't tell you about Shinji is he has a lot of, uh, He's got problems. He's got a lot of problems, okay? He's um, emotionally, existentially, spiritually, sexually just clusterfucked. The, the poor kid is a damn mess. Uh, he clearly suffers from abandonment issues. Uh, his mother died when he was very young, and his dad uh, basically just up and left him. Um, so he's got a lot of problems. Now... Uh, we have some other um, characters. Uh, um, uh, Shinji, uh, he lives with, who's essentially his superior in the EVA program, um, uh, Misato Kat- Katsu... Kat- what, what, what's her last name? Katsuragi. Yes, thank you. Uh, Misato Katsuragi. Um, and eventually we meet uh, two other pilots. You have... Uh, the very quiet Ray, who is uh, probably even more introverted than Shinji, uh, doesn't doesn't talk much, very passive aggressive, very depressive. And then you have the half German, half Japanese Asuka Langley, who uh, is very overconfident. Um, and then once you get into her psychosis, you find out it's because she's got her own whole stack of problems. Um, and, uh, you know, so essentially she's that overcompensating, obnoxious personality who you might think, hmm, they're overcompensating for something. Anyway, so these are our, our characters. As you can tell, they all have a lot of problems. Um, now, yes, I'm aware there's some side characters we're not getting into, uh, now, anyway, so, you have, uh, Shinji's dad, Gendo, who, um, uh, him and the EVA program is, um, all kind of, is run by Nerve, who are, uh, basically under the command of a shadowy government agency called SEAL, who, uh, really is almost more, as the series progresses, you find that they're very, they're more like a cult, really, um, and they have their own stake in this. Uh, and for a little while, it is a Monster of the Week kind of show, uh, where, hey, it's what angel's attacking today, let's go fight them. Uh, and then, 
as we mentioned, we do get into really deconstructing these characters. So, I mean, I I would explain it to a newcomer is think of any kind of uh, weekly monster of the week kind of sh- you know your Ultraman or your Super Sentai or whatever. What happens when you really like dig into like what psychologically? Who are these people? Why, like, if you psychoanalyze the core cast of any of these shows, that's what comes in kind of in the middle of this uh, series and where it goes to in its conclusion, which is the very bizarre finale we spoke of. Um, Now, yeah, I mean, that's the nuts and bolts of it. There's, I mean, there's a couple of things that are really important to to talk about. Um, like, uh, Like, you have Lilith, who's a big gooey thing that's kind of hung up on a crucifix in the basement pretty much um and uh you you go in when you hear the backstory of this uh i guess this mythology it is um basically there were were two big catastrophic events the first was first impact which created the human race and I mean, there's a whole reason for that that I'm, I'm not going to get into, at least not now. And then there was a second impact which uh, occurred in the Arctic, which caused, I forget what the number is, but a decent-sized portion of the human race to uh, die out. And essentially, we find out that they're, they've basically been liquefied. Um, and one of the things that... Through the course of the series, you see certain parties are trying to prevent, other parties are trying to uh, to trigger is a third impact. Um, and that's probably all I can really say about the synopsis, and I'm sure we're going to get to a lot more in the review portion, um, but, uh, like, uh, I mean... Uh, the Avas, for instance, what they actually are. I mean, this is all stuff we can kind of get into. But I've been talking long enough, and for the love of God, there's so many things <laughs> I didn't even talk about. But that I think I got all the, the nuts and bolts that I would explain to someone who had no idea what this is. Um, I, I rambled a little bit and kind of bounced all over, but I mean, how, 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 how was it? I, I think I, I made the best attempt I could. I mean, it's much better than if I had done it. I would still be talking and, like, cowering in a corner somewhere, so. <laughs> well, and, you know, I tend to go off on, on tangents, so I would have started with, like, so there's this character named Shinji Ikari, and Ikari, you know, is Japanese for anchor, and all the other characters are named after battleships, so blah, 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 and then I forget that I'm supposed to, like, explain that it's a post-apocalyptic future. Okay. All right, so, so I mean, that's the show, and, uh, I mean... Uh, now is pretty much the review portion where we we talk about about it. So we're we're gonna get into probably a lot of stuff that I missed. Um, now I guess I don't know, uh, Matt. You uh, just went through the whole thing for the the first time, at least at least with actually finishing it in proper viewing order with the the movie being the finale. And you you mentioned earlier that you've had thoughts about the show, uh, some of which have changed, some of which maybe haven't changed. But So I guess I'll start with you in, um, on, on this kind of rewatch through the whole thing and your your thoughts and opinions maybe evolving a little bit. What, what were your big takeaways? Like, you know, what... what? 
yeah. <laughs> what the hell did I just watch? Well, I mean, that's that. I mean, anyone's gonna think that. No, I, when I when I first watched this movie show, I'm sorry. Uh, when I first watched the show, um, my I really I like the first half of or the, you know the first two thirds of it. Um, episode like 16 is where it starts to kind of take a left turn that you're not really expecting, and Anno starts looking deeply into everyone's psyche and. Um, you get in the head of Shinji, which to me is probably the most frustrating portion of the show because um, it's just a lot of him repeating the same things and him complaining about life and him being a worthless bag of dog shit, which is the whole point, right? Because the, the whole thing about Shinji is that's who he is. He's supposed to be this piece of crap person who feels worthless the entire time. And even when other people are depending on him to sort of do the right thing, he can't really force himself to do the right thing. And he's looking for like his literal reason to exist. And, and I think where I was, fru- where this show will frustrate a lot of people that I've talked to who aren't fans of the show and where it frustrated me the first time I watched it is the fact that like, he, he really is insufferable. Like he's, he's every whiny anime trope to the max. Like it's, it's, um, it's spinal taps. It doesn't go to 10. It goes to 11. Like that's Shinji. And because of that, he, it's, it's a very tough show, like, towards the end to sit through the entire time. But that being said, it offers a lot. Like, the animation is, as Kevin said, gorgeous. Like, it still looks good now compared to shows that are coming out. And that's one thing I really appreciate. Um, the, the, the angels are, are not your typical – they don't really look like your typical monsters. Like, you have this one thing that basically is a giant pyramid that floats in the sky, and it's – you know, blasting beams that are atomic size explosions through cities. Every battle, there's something grave at stake. And these Avas can literally wipe out humanity very quickly because of how powerful they are. And that's a really cool idea. You get to see, you know, Anno and, and Shinji Higuchi's love for all the, you know, modern weaponry and these missile launchers and all this different stuff. And that, those things are so wonderful to see. Um, but I think for me, the show, like, it just... It leaves me with this feeling of like, I don't really know what to do with it because it offers a lot of stuff that I absolutely love and it offers some things that you really have to wrestle with because this isn't a show you can watch, I think, and just take it at, you can't really watch it at face value. Like you can't just turn off your brain and sit here and watch the show and be entertained by it. That's not what the show is. And if you try to do that, I think you'll be disappointed. But if you go in knowing Shinji's basically depression in anime form and you're watching it and you're kind of taking that in like i can't imagine the state that anna was in when he was making the show because if, if it was anything like shinji like that that's terrifying and and he was so honest to like put that those emotions on tv i can appreciate that i may not always it, it makes me super uncomfortable but i can at least appreciate how honest he was feeling and the fact that he decided to share that like that's the part that i think is either going to turn you off to the show or you're going to be like, wow, that was really powerful. And if you've ever struggled with depression, I'm sure that you would relate to that a lot more. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I especially like ma- diagnosed manic depression, you know, that, that yeah, that's an actual, like, like that's a disease. It's not just, Oh, this is a guy that's sad a lot. It's like this, this guy, it, it's like, if you are that person or if you know someone like that, like, I mean, people that you love can be every bit as frustrating is a character like Shinji and it's like I've no I've had people like that in my life and it's like yeah a lot of the time you just want to slap the hell out of them 
and but you know that's that's not what you know we do to each other but uh but yeah i mean it's it's honestly it's one of the more kind of i mean he's a young kid and kind of the 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 shonen uh anime protagonist stereotype but like what he actually is is like you said it's a very realistic and honest portrayal of of that that affliction Kevin, what are your initial thoughts? Oh, uh, yeah. So I've I've got a uh, I've got a it's complicated relationship with uh, Evangelion. I think like uh, isn't that like that's like everyone's answer? Oh, <laughs> well, see, there are people who are rabid fans of Evangelion, and they well, are insufferable. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, but yeah, so my I mean, my first impression was actually um, I imagine a lot like what Matt was saying, like. Uh, I watched it. I was probably uh, around the same age as the characters in it. Uh, so this was back in the days where, you know, you buy a VHS tape that has two episodes on it for thirty-five bucks. Uh, and I remember that. Uh, so I, I got through like the first four episodes, and honestly, what I, I was more bothered by the sort of the the pacing. Like I was much more accustomed to. You know, I, I was watching Ultra Seven and, and other things like that, where it's like, okay, you have sort of M- Monster of the Week, and there's a certain rhythm to that that just wasn't present there. So, and I, I talked to some other people who gave me very misleading um, views of how the show proceeded from there, and I basically decided I wasn't interested. Uh, and uh, then, you know. A few years later, I wound up reading some of the manga because it was serialized in an anthology that I was picking up in Germany at the time. Uh, and it was like, oh, okay, well, this I, I like the pacing of this manga better than I remembered it in as the show. And then, you know, as time went on being an anime fan, you get so much through osmosis and memes. And uh, if there's a show that has been memed, it is Evangelion. You, pretty much any line from it has been parodied and... Uh, <laughs> blown out of proportion and used as reaction images so uh it was it was actually quite a while before i you know actually in earnest sat down and and watched it and then when i did i was like huh well that was that was better than i was expecting based on all of the all of the kerfuffle and then you know rewatches have i i find more to enjoy but at the same time there's a whole lot to uh you know, I'll go to an uh, Evangelion panel at a convention or something, and just go out hating humanity. So <laughs> they remind me of like, well, I'm uh, talking about the like the the diehards of which you speak. They remind me of like, and I say this as a fan. They remind me of like Christopher Nolan fans, where like uh, last couple movies notwithstanding. You know, I love The Dark Knight. I love Memento. But then you meet these like rabid fans who are like he he is the new stanley kubrick and it's like part of you is like you know this guy is just making like batman movies right like <laughs> like yeah. part of me feels well, like it, it's it's like you're you're doing so much to overvalue something and and i get everyone like i mean i'm sure we do it with certain things too like when you love something sure but when you you are just kind of like your mission is to kind of put it on this pedestal 
then, I mean, newcomers are going to watch it and they're not going to feel fulfilled because it's like, okay, I was promised this life-changing thing and all I got was uh, this depressed uh, animator working through his, like, existential crisis and daddy issues in animated form, you know, and and that's great. I love that that's what the show is, but... I mean, by overselling it, you're underselling it. That's how I think of it. Evangelion has a lot of parallels to Star Wars. Uh, and oh, God, similarly yeah. to Last Jedi. <laughs> Everything I just said, <laughs> just you put the words The Last Jedi in. I, you know, I, I think with this particular show, I mean, one of the things that, and, and this is getting kind of into some of the, the other interesting stuff, is a lot of the religious imagery, which it takes from several different religions. It's not specific to christianity but uh, like there's a lot of stuff i noticed you know you need these cross like explosions you have the lance of longinus which is um it's like the lance name comes from kind of some extra biblical sources but like that was the, the lance they used to pierce jesus side to see if he was to confirm he was dead on the cross and obviously that's used to a great deal in the show especially during some of the battle scenes you have like uh adam and Lilith and essentially the Adam and Eve idea of where, you know, we come from and all this different stuff. Like those concepts are pretty cool. And I really, and and for me, that imagery is really interesting. And when you see Lilith, like on the cross and all these like bubbly things coming out of the, the legs and stuff like that, that's unsettling. And I think what I get the most out of the show is the imagery, like the, the, the well done animation works so well that it, that it draws you in. And then Shinji comes in and tries to ruin it for you. Like that's, that's how I feel about the show. Yeah. I mean the, the religious imagery, uh, that's something that people read a whole lot into in the West. And I think that's, that's part of Western, you know, uh, reading, reading tradition that, you know, you, you would say like, Oh, you're not just going to, put religious symbolism in there and not have some lofty goal, but you got to remember that like Japan's 0% Christian, I think it's under, it's under 1%. And um, I also know that when they, they were actually asked at one point, like, Hey, what does this stuff mean? They're like, Oh, we just, we, we basically just like, the imagery it has no real significance. It yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think the big thing was it was exotic. You know, it was it was something that wasn't common, and 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 I think another big thing was uh, like they relied on it to separate it from a visual perspective from all the other stuff going on in anime at the time. Yeah, so uh, like, even that iconography they don't really keep straight. So like the angels are they're angels in English, but in Japanese they're shito, which is uh, apostles. So like I'm I'm not really a Christian, but maybe someone can tell me like angels and apostles aren't quite the same thing. No, right? no, no. I mean I, despite <laughs> my, uh, my my poor language on this show a lot of times, I, I am Christian. I actually went to uh, I went to Bible college. I was part of like a, a a church plant. Like I started a new church right out of college and stuff. And no, apostles are not. Apostles are basically the early church like planters. Essentially, is the best way to say it. I would suppose. But yeah, they're like the disciples, kind of to a, a magnified level in many ways. Like, you have the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Um, so, yeah, like, it sounds like the the role that they, that they play in this, Apostles is perhaps more apt than Angels because they're all, you know, following in the, the will of this the Adam, I guess. Yeah, you could probably read into it that way. Like, you know, Angels do the bidding of, of God, essentially, and Apostles. I mean, like, they, they kind of both do, but yeah, I get what you're saying. That would... 
either way is fine, but I think it's interesting. Why would they change the name from Apostles to Angels? Was that like a, a I mean, they, specific choice? I mean, they changed uh, Shinseki to uh, Neon Genesis, so I, I don't really know. Yeah, uh, isn't, I mean, isn't Shinseki like New Gospel? Isn't that what that, like... It's New Century. It's the same as the, the Shinsei series, yeah, the Millennium yeah. series, yeah. It's uh, New Go- like it's new gospel of the century or something like that's the yeah so uh evangelion is is word that is sort of greek for gospel yeah yeah to like evangelize which is i mean i can see why they might have changed that because of it being potentially offensive to a lot of people over here maybe that was the whole change i don't know it doesn't whoever decided to do that like when they were i guess probably trying to you know get it ready for overseas uh, buyers must have thought it would have held more appeal in the West. I wouldn't be able to know why, but and that's that's a decision that they made before it was it was released in the West because yeah. like on screen text in the Japanese version has has <clears throat> that. Hmm, uh, of course, you know my my whole conspiracy theory, and we'll we'll get back to this later. Is that like you know what else has a whole lot of crucifixions in it? Ultraman. Ultraman. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yeah. I mean, uh, Ultraman was a huge influence on this show. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll definitely get there. Um, so, I mean, uh, in the review portion, um, well, Matt, we just did uh, a whole three episodes about the different Ultra series. So, uh, I don't know. We'll go for a similar format at least for now. Um, so let's, let's start small. Um, what, I mean, angels, I, Matt, you talked about this earlier, but, uh, about how the angels, they're not your typical giant monsters. They are, yeah, one of them's just like a big, uh, diamond shaped thing and, and they're all really abstract. Um, and if we're just going to compare them to other, you know, kaiju, this is actually why I love the angels so much is because... Like it, it, it actually makes them scarier in that, in a way, they're not really like anything that the human mind should really be able to come up with. They don't like they look truly alien. You know, they don't look like a guy in a suit or anything like that. So, yeah, I, they're all like just really interesting. It's it's a really kind of fresh approach to designing what's essentially a giant creature. Like a, a few of them are, you, you can point to like um, Satchiel's kind yeah, of yeah Satchiel. He's he's probably the most famous one, I would think. Yeah, like the the skull crawlers and skull yeah, yeah, island yeah, yep. based on him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you can look at like uh, Shamshell and and be like, oh, that's sort of like Vera from Ultra Seven, or uh, you know, Zerrel is you know got some some Zeton going on, but it's also like definitely different. Uh, and the, you know the angels some of them are are way out there you have the one that's like a computer virus or an orb that makes you doubt yourself or uh or Kauru. so <laughs> well yeah we'll get into Kauru. uh i like the one it looks like imagine like a picasso painting and like somebody like an eyeball on a Picasso portrait, like 
the, it's just like weird floating eye thing. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, the one that's like dropping stuff from outer space? Yeah, that is one of the coolest ones just because like who the hell is like thinks to just make that like oh that's your monster this week is this big picasso eyeball like (laughs) (laughs) like it's in it's they're really out there and even the spider one like doesn't look like a giant spider it looks like this weird that one's awesome yeah the 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 big eyeball one i think they might have actually gotten inspired from uh from giant robo oh yeah Oh, There's I know. The, yeah, yeah. What I don't know what it's called. I know the thing you're talking about, though. Um, uh, it's like a big eye alien thing that he fights. Yeah, yeah. I, know I, exactly I don't remember its name either. Um, but yeah, I, I I love the the different approach to the angels, which you know, I mean, they're giant rampaging creatures, but yeah, they're so out there. Um, so. Uh, all right, Matt. Um, I, I, Shinji aside, well, I mean, maybe I, I don't think your answer is going to be Shinji, but um, we we've talked about how a lot of these characters are basically manifestations of the worst parts of us, whether it's you know uh, crippling mental illness or ego or, or whatever. Are there any characters in like who are the characters that you actually like that you actually like spending time with? There there aren't a lot, and that's probably by you know a little bit by design. But there's got to be someone. I mean, I'm I'm trying to even like piece together. Every character is extremely um, flawed. I think the most likable character is Misato, who's. I mean, she, she's essentially a functioning alcoholic who basically admits that when she, like, she's she's got some, I guess, I don't know if you call them daddy issues, but, like, when she talks about some of her sexual forays and stuff like that in the show, which becomes, like, the sexuality in the show is, is insane, by the way. We haven't even talked about that yet, but um, she, like, every time you see her, she's drinking. Like, it's morning, and she's got ten beers in front of her. So she's a very functioning alcoholic who really cares about the work that she does. So, from that perspective, like she's probably in many ways the least flawed character, which is a lot to say. She's, but then like, have, she's like, actually my favorite character. A, a lot of people love Asuka, which is kind of I, I don't know why. Maybe Kevin can shade, can sh- like shed some light on that. I Asuka's insufferable, different than Shinji because she's this brash know-it-all character, and, and uh, honestly, I, I just wish she would die like half the time because <laughs> she's that annoying and. Then you have, you know, Ray, who's kind of just there and soft-spoken. Um, I think Gendo's a really interesting character because he just kind of back in the foray, and he almost has, I won't call it a moment of redemption, but, like, in the end of Ava, there's this part where he essentially just confesses the fact that he's a worthless person, and you find out, like, he's been sleeping with half the women in the complex, and, like, it, it's, and he's, he basically uses women for his endgame. He has a specific endgame in this show. And that's basically to reunite with his wife, and uh, we haven't really talked about that. But his, the Avis themselves have all this different meaning, and it's just it's also convoluted that like I don't even know where to where, like my my mind is shutting down at the moment. Somebody save me. <laughs> uh, well, as far as Asuka goes, I think your your feelings on her are definitely accurate in like the first half or whatever. But I think I, I think when they get into her backstory and why she is the way she is, I think that's what endears a lot of people 
to her because I, I think they really kind of go to great lengths to kind of humanize um, humanize yeah. her. Oh. Sort of since the original series, I think a lot of characters have sort of become parodies of themselves. So, like if you if you watch it, like Ray isn't actually completely emotionless. She's just sort of a passive aggressive bitch. Uh, but uh, you know, as as they've gone on and made more you know things of it, they sort of boil them down to like, okay, well, Asuka's what they call the tsundere, where it's like, oh, she pretends not to like you, but she really does like you. And like, but that's not really her character. <laughs> So, uh, you know, she's a very, well, I've, I've known teenage girls to be like that. So it's not unrealistic, but, uh, yeah. sort of to the cartoonish over exaggerated, like kick you in the head version. That's a little, in a way she's almost, I, I also think a lot of people like her because she's very, she's a very tragic figure. You could say she might even be the most tragic of, of the, of your main cast. Um, and I think that kind of does a lot to uh to kind of get people interested in her um she she sort of has the most to lose yeah of the, yeah of the, the three uh yeah and, and like her childhood was probably the most damaged well i i think what happened was i think shinji was damaged the most by his childhood but i think asuka probably went through the most like what i would call real trauma and i i think a lot of that like i said i think that humanizes her a lot um i, I mean everyone in this is really i mean it's like ano himself said everyone in it is really kind of messed up and kind of represents some of the worst <laughs> aspects of us so that's one of the things where like when someone who doesn't like the show is complains like i just don't like any of the characters and it's like well i mean that's where you're just gonna have to either roll with it or not because i i don't really think that's the point is is to like them which isn't everyone's cup of tea and that's fine but um uh so um yeah, and, and as for uh, this, might go with kind of Kevin. Uh, you were saying like how the characters ended up with certain reputations based on whatever manga and other other things, whatever they made of it. Ray in the series is really kind of, I mean, I don't want to say a non-entity, but she she's really kind of she doesn't do much, and I, I think. There were there are whole episodes where the staff forgot that Ray exists, so he'll sometimes yeah. <laughs> be an episode where Ray's just not in it. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because she's probably the most iconic of the the human cast. I mean, and people who don't know anything about Evangelion, who just know the name, if there's an image that they associate with that name, is probably Ray. Um, so I don't really have that many feelings on Ray one way or the other. It's not that I don't like her. It's just that. You know she's. What you have. <laughs> she, I'll, I'll like her if I'm ordered to. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. Um. Yeah. And and you know she doesn't really become very active until like you know the end. Um. So, well, let's take a moment to talk about the Avas themselves. You have your your unit one, unit two, and Ray is she unit zero? Yeah. Okay. Um. Do you guys have a favorite of the three? I mean, I think Unit One is is probably my favorite. I don't know that from like a design standpoint, 
I care one way or the other. They're all kind of, in some ways, similar. Although one gets a uh, like a sniper rifle, which is pretty awesome. I think I like one. It's probably everyone's answer because that's like the one everyone knows. But I like one. Well, it's it's got the uh, the the neon really pops against the uh, the dark colors, and then it has that sweet you know going berserk mode. So. Yeah, yeah, the ber- the berserker scenes are awesome, and um, I'm sure Kevin, you might have a little bit more to say here, but I'm sure there were like the good robot goes berserk moments in other previous, uh, you know, the super robot shows or whatever. But you know, I can't help but think of Eva when Kiryu goes wild in the the Mechagodzilla movies. You know, I I think actually the the episode with Jet alone, or where they build that giant robot and it it goes it goes bonkers, like that felt a lot like the Curio movies yeah. to me. And uh, also, you see a lot of Eva in well, yeah. I mean, even the idea of Curio. I mean, I understand in those it's a DNA computer, and in this we're dealing with something a little different. We'll get to those in a, in in just a minute. Um, uh. But also the Gamera trilogy, specifically things like the Gamera graveyard in Gamera 3, all of that is right out of the Evangelion playbook. And, I mean, Shinji Higuchi, I mean, basically storyboarded both of those sequences, the the Gamera graveyard and the Ray graveyard in Eva. So, I mean, it's, it's no coincidence, you know, you have the same person designing these things, but... Um, I mean, that's just some more food for thought for the kaiju fan. Um, speaking of Ray, we should mention, uh, this is, we, we, we've done pretty good so far, uh, but the, from here probably forward, we're going to be getting into deep spoiler territory, uh, which this is a spoiler discussion. So if anything we're saying sounds cool or interesting to you, stop. And go check out the series, then watch e- End of Evangelion, and then come back and resume here. Um, but yes, Ray is actually uh, a clone of Shinji's dead mother, and she's basically the byproduct of Gendo's, I guess, deep desire to be reunited with his wife. Uh, and so, yeah, you see at one point all of these fake Rays in in this tank and uh those are basically the ones that have have failed um so speaking of shinji's mother and the nature of the evas let's talk about what they actually are um and i understand it's like a huge spoiler but it's also why i don't necessarily feel comfortable calling this a giant robot show because yeah, they're not, I, I would, cause they're not like, robots. Like, really, whatsoever. I, <laughs> I, I, well, yeah, it, I, it depends on how you want to define robots. I mean, are they man-made? Yes. Are they under human control? Sort of. <laughs> like, uh, but, yeah, I mean, they are biological and... Uh, Giant, giant yeah, Ultraman yeah. clones. Uh, um, <laughs> essentially, oh god, this is just 
This is why sometimes talking about a TV show is so much harder than talking about a movie, because a movie is basically usually two hours, maybe less, maybe a little more, and you can just kind of condense everything. But when you have a show that's 20-some episodes and it's an ongoing serialized show, there's just so many... Like, the, Matt, the Ultra shows were a lot easier than this, because it's like, oh, a new monster shows up and then gets killed, and that's every episode. But, yeah, the, with the continuing storyline, there's, of course, different mysteries and different plots and subplots that get revealed. But, yes, the Evas are, uh, I guess I'll backtrack to my synopsis a little bit, Clones of Adam. Adam was the first angel, technically, sort of. Uh, essentially... Um, Earth was seeded by Lilith, um, and that and that's where humans came from. But Lilith and Adam are, I guess, these big gods of. Uh, well, at one point, I think they're referred to as gods of light. <clears throat> that sounds like somebody. Um, anyway, well, yeah. If, if you look at at the way Adam looks in the TV show, it's it's a giant of light, and that's right in the opening credits. Yeah. Uh, and, and then in in the movies, there's a uh, the the rebuilds. There's there's four atoms, which yes. uh, are they have a they have a look to them. <laughs> yes, and, yes, and oh yeah, the in the rebuilds when they show all the giants of light, they have a very specific look. Uh, <laughs> and yes, Adam is uh, a god of light, which might remind you of a certain warrior of light from the planet M seventy eight. Anyway, and. Essentially, I forget which one. One of them landed on Earth accidentally. Now, only one of these creatures can uh, populate a planet at a time. So, Lilith is the one that populates Earth with people. Meanwhile, the one, each one's supposed to come with one, but the, uh, Ada, but one of the, the, the Lance of Longinus's got lost... I don't know how, how that gets lost, but um, anyway, and that's used to basically uh, immobilize one of these beings, and so that's what happens to Adam. Uh, now, the idea is that because the humans were able to take over the Earth, the angels are essentially trying to reunite with Adam to reclaim it. Um, and the second impact was started when um, the Lance was... They found Adam frozen in the Arctic or whatever, I think, and they they, uh, they, um, they initiate contact with the Lance, and that just causes second impact and half the human race to melt away or whatever. So um, the Evas are basically clones of Adam, and, in, and, and they... It's hard to explain. I don't want to say like they're not really like a motor, but but, but essentially they're they're uh, imbued with the pilots, the soul of the mothers uh, of the pilots. So um, you see a lot of that visually, even in the first episode, and it starts to make sense once it's explained. Like you know, when you're in an Eva, you are submerged in this. Uh, is it LCL? Yeah, yeah, LCL, which is this, it says it smells and tastes kind of like blood. It's this clear kind of bodily fluid sort of substance. And yeah, it's, it's essentially when you're piloting an Eva, you're in the comfort of your mother's womb. Um, which makes sense because they even have like an umbilical cord that they <laughs> yeah. attach to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, so that's what the Evas actually are. So they're 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 giant creatures that are being piloted. Uh, so they aren't, you know, mechanical really. And the the stuff, like uh, that that's just are they they have armor, which it, in one episode when I first watched it, probably like my biggest like oh my god what the hell was the episode where like it bursts through its armor yeah that was and, like it starts eat like basically this eva just went nuts and started eating one of the angels and yeah you see like it it, it bursts out of the armor and you see like what looks like human tissue and human hands under it and i remember like i had to go to bed i was like i ugh, leaving it like this is really hard because i don't know what the hell just happened but that's probably one of my favorite uh moments of the show it's a great moment but it also it doesn't lead to anything like yeah you, they, you start thinking like oh man these are are these the real monsters and like no yeah they, okay. yeah they they really just kind of explain it i mean at, at that point that's when they start to just like explain like oh this is what an ava actually is like they <laughs> but that they, they don't like yeah you're right they don't really like utilize that further like there's no other part in the series where that happens uh but in, i mean visually and just it comes right at the right time of the series when you're like okay are they done with the monster of the week that what is this and then i think that's when like for me anyway the series really gets into high gear and that's probably where a lot of people probably turned it off and were like okay i don't even know what the hell i'm watching <laughs> I, I think it's important to mention kind of gindo's uh, motivation here he's trying to reunite with his wife and what she did was she purposely essentially sacrifices herself to become like the soul if you will of, of the ava and th- and so like that sort of also explains what i was trying to get at earlier when i was just like having a meltdown is shinji loses his mother at this early age he's estranged from his father and like that's part of why he is the way that he is and so for all of his insufferability which he totally is it also gives you some insight as to why he, he, he kind of reacts that way. It also explains Gendo's relationship with Ray because he's always kind of creepily around her. He's paying her all kinds of attention. It turns out, well, hey, she's a clone of his wife. And Gendo's motivation in this is purely selfish. He just wants to be with his dead wife. So I, I think that yeah. explains a lot. And, and it makes the Ava's more than just like, oh, it's, it's, it's a robot. Well, no, not really. Yeah, and I probably w- w- when we get into the end of Evangelion, we'll talk about the great lengths that Gendo is willing to uh, go to to be reunited uh, with his wife. Um, but yeah, man, I mean that's I mean the, the series just does weird stuff, and you're not th- and like for example, we haven't even mentioned the the character of uh, Ritsuko, who is like. Misato's best friend, essentially, who's, like, having a weird, like, kind of affair with Gendo. Uh, but it turns out, like, um, it, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, you guys have watched it more recently than me, but it, it, doesn't it turn out that her mom's brain is, like, the computer in the nerve headquarters that, like, controls everything? Yeah, and the fact that Gendo was also sleeping with her mom. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, it was a case where, like... It was garbage. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Kevin. I, I, well, okay, so I, I guess, like, maybe your mom split her brain into thirds or something, because each one of the computers is like, this computer is her as a woman, this is her as a mother, this is her as a something else. I, yeah, I don't that's remember. A good, that's, a good, that's a good observation. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, then, like, 
it's sort of implied that Ritsuko even like knew that her mom was sleeping with Gendo, which makes it that much weirder. That oh no, she... it's, 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 I think it's explicit. Actually, she's like, there's a part where she says she tells him explicitly, like, oh, she's talking to her mother, and she refers to Gendo and the, Gendo as being her mother's lover in that sentence. And I won't say where that happens because that's a we'll get to the ending here in a bit, but. Yeah, man. For a guy like a, a quiet, nerdy, mean-spirited, just asshole, how does a guy like Gendo keep getting so much tail? <laughs> he's uh, for I mean, a guy like know, admit he's getting a lot of ass for being a guy like for being that guy. Well, you know, nice guys finish last <laughs> or something. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, there's that whole episode that's like when Ritsuko has to go into the it's it's the Magi is that that system we're talking about and like repair it and you know she's starting to take panels off of it and like inside there's her mom's brain and there's like sticky notes all over the place like <laughs> well, interesting that there's there's three Magi because that's the same that's like the the people that visited on Christ's birth just yeah they, they they have those names right the uh, Melchior Balthazar. Uh, I'm I'm not a Christian. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's, you know, what's interesting is there's a lot of stuff in this that's listed from, uh, a lot of it's listed, listed from like extra biblical Christianity. So like there's a, there's a bunch of stuff that was written several hundred years after the the main text that we would use as Christians. And a lot of the, the, like the lands of Longinus, that's not, it's referring to the lands that impales Jesus, but it's not quite what we would call it as, as a Christian. The same stuff here is like they, they, they take bits that is like biblical and they take other sources and they, they also have like a lot of references to things like Kabbalah, which is a, a whole different thing. So like they, they do a lot of cool things with mixing story with the religious element. And like I said, I think the, the cool thing about that is in the takeaway is it's, it's going to be foreign to most Japanese because there's such a small Christian population. And so like, it's just weird to them. Like when, when, when you walk into a Western house, like it wouldn't be unheard of to see maybe a cross there. We would think, Oh, that's kind of normal for Western Christianity. But to a Japanese person, like they're not used to that. It's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like how we took the Norse God of thunder and made him a dumb superhero. That's exactly exactly right. That's exactly right. (laughs) Which I like. Yeah. yeah, Thor is awesome. Um, I was just going to mention like, I don't know if there's a group of people that are like upset by this because we seem to be so upset about everything these days. But like, <laughs> they're not they're not do saying anything about it. So it's it's just they're taking some imagery and they're using it, and it's done very in, in an interesting fashion. I say that as a Christian because like, I mean, technically, yeah, you could say it's blasphemous, but that's not what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I think it's it's under the radar enough that the people that would be upset about it just haven't encountered it. So uh, if you know they managed to get more than five episodes onto Cartoon Network, then, yeah, maybe they would have uh, right. started to see some backlash. What happened, that? what happened with that? Did they just cancel it because of the material, or just was, like, I don't I don't remember that, but I do, I remember the, I think it was a Toonami Adult Swim pro- promo, right? Because I remember seeing that. Mm-hmm. But I, didn't I think, I think they, 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 I think they only aired it for a week, and I think they knew from the outset that they, they weren't going to be able to do the whole thing. <laughs> I think it was just a, a just a, promotional sort of thing it was like really random too because the show had already had like a big i mean it was well after the show had been become famous here it was just i don't know it was i remember that it was bizarre and i think that was like i think that was after i watched it even that wasn't that long ago i don't think i'm pretty sure sci-fi network like sci-fi channel excuse me picked it up and ran it with it at some point because they used to do a bunch of um 
anime promos, and they w- they would show like stuff that would probably be censored on 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 uh, Toonami. Yeah. Um. Uh. Sorry, I derailed the conversation. There. No, 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 you're, you're <laughs> yeah. fine. But um. But you know who a uh, uh, big supporting character we didn't talk about who I actually like is uh, Kensuke. Who what? <laughs> <laughs> the, the the nerdy kid with glasses. Oh that God, no! I, see, I, I just remember one of those kids uh, beat up Shinji, and the other one was just irritating and a perv, and was like f- making upskirt videos and stuff. Uh, <laughs> you yeah, he's joking. That's the thing that they try. Yeah, it's, it's pretty <laughs> fairly accurate. Um, but no, uh, is um, Kaji, who is uh, Misato's old. I guess college boyfriend or whatever, and he comes. They bring him in because he's kind of a he's he's a double agent of sorts, and you know he's you know kind of in cahoots with Seal, and then you know he they start their relationship up again. But in a lot of ways, for all of his kind of uh, uh, I guess douchey traits, in a, when it when he is getting more serious with the characters. He's, like, kind of the one that has, like, the voice... He's the biggest voice of reason. Like, at one point, he tells Shinji, he's like, you know, man, this is just how the world is. The Whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. I'm just gonna sit here and water my, my watermelons, man. <laughs> that's, that's after he invites Shinji out on a date, which is awkward, <laughs> and I'm sure made half the fan base squeal. <laughs> and who, of oh. course, who who are we to forget... Possibly the deepest character that probably says the most about human existence. Pen and, Pen? And that is Pen Pen the Penguin. <laughs> yeah, Pen Pen's pretty awesome. He is uh, what's called a Hot Springs Penguin, which only exists in the post-apocalyptic world of Eva. And he lives in Misato's house. Uh, he lives in a refrigerator. And, you know, he just walks around. Everyone's having these crazy existential crises and... You know, he just hangs out and eats and kind of just watches people yell at each other and then just, you know, sleeps. Has the same voice actress as Ray, so that's a, that's clearly deep symbolism of some sort. Yeah, I don't know. What what, <laughs> what, what could it all mean? Maybe maybe Pen Pen is also Shinji's mother. Yeah, but of course... Yeah, I mean, at this point, that could definitely happen. <laughs> but of course, Pen Pen the Penguin... Uh, no matter what you think of the show, hopefully you have s- anyone who, even the people that watch it and hate it, I hope they have a little bit of love in their hearts for Pen Pen. Because he is actually, you know, he, forget Ka- he he's the one that is the most level-headed here. You know, he just doesn't yeah. want any drama, and he just wants to do his thing, and he, he basically just wants to relax. Can one of you explain no. Haru? Please. <laughs> somebody, somebody take. <laughs> We're talking about Eva, and anytime you begin a question, can you explain? I'm just assuming the answer is going to be no. Uh, but yes, I mean, Haru. Haru, let's, Haru. Uh, yes, let's, let's talk, talk about, about him, uh, especially because. I mean, I'm, I'm ta- I've been talking about all the things I like about it, um, and I don't know. I don't know, maybe Kevin has some insight into this, but for as big of a deal as that character is to the overall story, he's only in one episode. And from what I understand, the rebuilds kind of fix that and kind of make him a fixture 
right away, which is probably what they should have done. But he's essentially one of the angels who uh, is in human form, but he's also kind of, uh, I guess, in a way, represents love. And, you know, he forms a bond with Shinji and you know they bec- they basically become best friends and then of course he learns he's an angel and then in one of the most frustrating slash hilarious moments of the show <laughs> shinji in the in the eva like is holding him for like something like three minutes and it's just you're just looking at the same frame and it's dead silent and you're just like <laughs> just just kill him already kill him for the love of god crush him and then after like three minutes yeah he crushes him with his his hand but but yeah, I, he's one of the angels now. As to why he is the way he is, uh, I don't know. Uh, well, he carries the soul of Adam, so that's part of it. I know that's like that's why he's supposed to be a big deal in one of the last angels they reveal. But uh. so, Kevin, also, do, you have, do you have any idea why the, a character this important was just like his his storyline was rushed through one episode? That is a very strange thing, and I mean he he shows up for a split second in the opening credits, so they they intended to do something with him all along. But uh, yeah, they, I mean he's he's in one episode. I think he has like about a total of twelve minutes of screen time in the whole series, and as you pointed out, one of those minutes was no animation, <laughs> <laughs> zero. Like it just uh, that was frustrating. Uh. I so I, I did see a presentation by Carl Horn at one point where um, uh, so he's the guy that does the um, editing the all of the Evangelion releases for Dark Horse and he was talking about how Kaoru was sort of conceived of from from the beginning of the of the planning thing and sort of always intended to be something that would appeal to a to a female audience which that was successful uh, but. Uh, <laughs> In terms of his character, it's really ambiguous, you know, go go figure for this show, where a lot of people read it as like, oh, he's clearly somebody who, who does care deeply for Shinji, and then you have, you know, the contingent that's like, no, this is a monster who's claiming that he cares for a weakened individual because he knows that this will get him into, into his most uh, vulnerable state. So, uh, and, you know, subsequent media has, has changed that all around, and Oh man! So the rebuilds are uh, sort of a mess, but uh, yeah, uh, Kaoru shows up at the at the end of the first one and makes a comment about how he's 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 looking forward to seeing Shinji again, despite the fact that they haven't met yet. So that raises all sorts of questions about the rebuilds themselves. But yeah, he's he's. I mean, he's basically you could read him as a monster of the week, but he's also you know the final one so he he really kicks things off in a way that messes with shinji's head even more than you know shinji's gone through some crap as, as things have gone down he's he got t- turned into beast mode sucked into the machine uh spent a while as as jello uh yeah that his, was weird too when it- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. his his best friend in the tv series didn't die but Okay, that I mean that's something that, that that's bothered me is that so he has uh, this this friend that you mentioned earlier Toji who you know got punched uh, 
punched him in the face for hurting his sister and all that. His friend uh, becomes an Evangelion pilot. Does this mean that his friend also has his mom sucked into an Evangelion? I I don't know. Yeah, because they um, choose him as a pilot, but he gets yeah he gets messed up. But yeah, that's a good point because Asuka's mother is definitely in yeah. hers. Well, everyone in their class is apparently an Evangelion pilot candidate, so I don't know what's going on with their <laughs> with their class. And that's like, one of those. All of them have like no mothers, basically. That's what we learned. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, Toji, it's very clear like the plan was to kill him off, but then they they don't, and he's just like not in the series anymore. But they're like, oh, he went to the hospital. He'll be okay. <laughs> that's yeah. bizarre for all the death in the show, and I, I think Kevin uh, mentioned this in, in our thread, but like he dies in the manga, correct? Like that was yeah. Mm-hmm. That would have been preferable for several reasons, multiple reasons. Yeah, I mean, and so I mean that—that's a natural thing of like kicking off Shinji's really horrible, you know, because it, it was—it was that he had to kill his friend, and also that he didn't have any say in it because his robot got taken over by the the dummy system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he, he feels truly, truly powerless there, and uh, gets into a. <laughs> Uh, a situation where he's definitely not going to reconcile with his dad anymore. Uh, but yeah, so I, I think, you know, that, that that's getting back to Kaoru. It's like, so Shinji is at his nadir and all of his sort of support struts have been knocked out because Misato is depressed about her boyfriend getting killed and Asuka is lying in a bathtub somewhere. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Shinji has basically no one left to turn to, and then this this pretty boy comes along, and they they take baths together and um, sleep in the same bed, and, and <laughs> he tells them how 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 much he cares for him, and, and for you know you know this this guy that he's just met, but Shinji is uh, Shinji is vulnerable at this point, so he's like yeah okay, and then when he when he has to end him because he is an angel, and it's. That, that makes it all that much more tragic. Can, can we talk? I think that's a good segue because you just mentioned them taking baths together. Can we talk about the uh, the frustrated sexuality that permeates the show constantly? For well, just hey, man. Hey, look, man. When you were 14, look, they're 14, okay? Hormones are out of control. Uh, Shinji's already confused enough about himself. Uh, you know, it's it's... They're, they're kids, Shinji man. also is the brunt of lots of small penis jokes throughout the throughout the show. Uh, it's it's one of those things where like, I mean, you know, you have Masato who's like gonna make a move on Shinji towards the end. It, it's bizarre. Like, there's all this sexual tension that's just throughout. You got Gendo's Gendo sleeping with everybody. It's just I just want to say like it's a thing that's that's very prevalent. And then there's a thing that happens at the very beginning of the end of Evangelion, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, that, like, it doesn't, I wouldn't say it comes out of nowhere, but, like, I wasn't ready for that to be the show's opening. <laughs> I don't know if any, I don't know if anybody was. <laughs> like, what's going on? Uh, yeah, um, but, yeah, I mean, like, it's very, it's very uh, prevalent. Yeah, definitely. It's most of the characters, it's, it's a big theme going on of either yeah. repression or they're channeling their sexuality in unhealthy ways or yeah uh well i think that really 
I mean, uh, that's one of the more, I guess, for some people, uncomfortable things that the show really confronts is, um, you know, the role sexuality has in, I mean, people that are depressed or alcoholics, you know, look at Misato or um, look at Gendo. Um, but also, I mean, I, some of it, I think, at least among the kids on the show, is just really kind of the show really showing the hormonal uh, wilderness that teenagers wander through. And, um, you know, especially, like, like the stuff bet- between Asuka and Shinji, I mean, geez, put two, put a, make two uh, 14-year-olds live together, a male and a female... Uh, that's that's just how they're gonna be <laughs> yeah you're, you're fighting you're fighting biology at that point yeah basically. yeah and you know of course asuka says she 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 kisses him because she says oh i'm bored let's do something interesting and you know of course <laughs> you know that's that's a 14 year old girl talking and you know that's them working out these you know they're hor- i mean it they at our age, it's hard to remember when you're 14 years old and starting to to form sexual feelings, sexual desires. Like it's like your body is on fire, you know, <laughs> and that's that's what they're going through. I mean, I, I can relate to Shinji's uh, whole situation of being like, I have no idea what the hell she's thinking because I I have been in that situation where like, well, this person's behaving strangely, but I don't I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Shinji just like always behaving that way. It doesn't matter. It feels like he can't make a decision on what to eat for the day. <laughs> Poor bastard. <laughs> That's a, yeah, but man, Shinji's he's got problems, man. You know, I mean, leave <laughs> leave the poor kid alone. He's a he's a manic depressive fourteen year old with all kinds of abandonment issues and all this. <laughs> so that's that's why part of it is like when people are like, "God, I hate this kid." Like part of me is like, "Man, he's got so many well, problems. Leave him alone." Well, I mean, like you're you're I, I really think you're you're kind of supposed to. Oh yeah, no, I mean, I mean like that's it, it, that's it, the it, point. I mean, like it's it's like I said at the kind of earlier in the episode. If you know someone that has any of those like afflictions in your life, family members, significant others, uh, uh, you know, siblings, friends, whatever. Like I've known people that like suffer from manic depression. I've known people that are alcoholics, and like for as much as you love them, they are so frustrated. It, it, it's it's. Like you, you are so mad at them a lot, you know. But you gotta work through it with them, you know. And it sucks, but it's one of those things that you can't really, you, you know, you can't, you you can't help the people, or you can't choose the people that you know make up a big part of your life to a certain extent, especially family, you know. There's a really great scene in the, in the end of uh, Ava, which. It, it basically is everything is crumbling around nerve and they're like Shinji get in the damn robot and literally Misato she has to she has to grab him by the arm and like drag him through a parking lot like he's pulling the whole dead body thing like he just like laying there and that basically is Shinji in a nutshell like he can never he just he knows what everyone wants him to do. He even knows what he thinks he should do sometimes, but like he doesn't have the strength to even bother to do it. Yeah. No, dude, I know people like that. Like one of my friends since I know. since childhood is basically like a hermit now. Like he, he he has no job, like his wife is on the outs with him and it's like that's what he does all day is like he sits and sulks and it's like 
oh my it's so frustrating it's like oh my god i hate you will you get yourself together but you're my friend so like i i need to like so like you know you don't want to handle these people with kid gloves but at the same time it's like you don't really hate them it's like you need to get it together you know like yeah that's shinji pretty much well and i think a big part of what makes this series so frustrating is that over the course of things for a little while it seems like he's getting better and then it decides to end on the like him imploding again (laughs) yeah and i think that's i mean that's why both he's he's so he's frustrating but like he really speaks to how difficult depression is for not just, you know, you're trying to help somebody through their stuff, but imagine how they feel. And like, you know, we're going to talk about the ending, the original ending of the show here in a second, but like being in the, like all the stuff that Shinji says at the end of the series and all the uh, feelings and emotions and like, God, that was exhausting to watch, but like, yeah, that's kind of the point. That's, that's what it is. Well, yeah. And I mean, think of what someone like, Ano like, Think of, like, the struggle that he was probably going through on a daily basis when trying to work on this show. Um, But yeah, no, let's talk about the last episode. As we said, so basically, show ran out of money, and it's like, well, you can't give us, like, any kind of finale, and so, well, we have two episodes left, what do we do? And it's, okay, we're gonna go to line drawings, and literally and figuratively... Reducing the characters to their basic skeleton. And, yeah, I mean, the last episode is Shinji just talking to different people, reliving different situations in his head, and realizing that, you know, no matter how badly other people want you to succeed... Uh, whatever other people expect of you, I mean, no matter how much other people love you, you need to learn to love yourself. And so, you know, that's, and then at the end, everyone says, congratulations, you, you, I don't know, you did something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Um, So one of the things that I saw pretty prevalently reported wasn't, is that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't strictly a budgetary thing. It was, Ano decided halfway through the show to take it in a different direction, and when they got to the end, like this was the ending they kind of came up with because of both time constraints, because of budgetary issues, and because some of it was just kind of the direction Anna went in changing the outline for the for the show. But all that notwithstanding, essentially what you have is every character is psychoanalyzed from Shinji's point of view in the last episode, and then he's looking inwardly at himself and he's asking himself like. I need a, he's telling himself, I need a reason to exist. I need a reason to be here. And like at the end, you literally have people clapping and saying, congratulations. And you're sort of wondering, did third impact happen? And by the way, we haven't talked about what third impact is yet. I don't know when you want to get into that. But. Well, I, I think end of Eva is when we kind of have to okay. get into that. But, but yeah, I mean, you get, there's some implications that third impact may be occurring or has occurred during this finale. I, yeah. I, I took it as it was occurring or had occurred. Like, uh, it feels like it happened because of what they're showing on the TV when you put that in conjunction with how, with what end of Evangelion is. I don't know what Kevin thought about it. Uh, that's one of those great questions of like, so, so we're seeing all these characters that are in Shinji's mind. Are they figments of his imagination? Are they part of the great collective unconsciousness? Are they uh, like tricks that 
the angels are playing on him like and the answer is uh maybe so yeah it gets i mean we we see things hints of what the plot is going on externally uh for things that happen in the end of evangelion but it's not really clear in terms of what's going on internally where all of these things are coming from and i mean the whole human instrumentality thing gets really confusing anyway yeah i I think honestly this is why the show is like the last two episodes i have to admit they were they were exhausting like i kept waiting for the show to be over and i was like oh crap i have 10 more minutes of this and 10 (laughs) minutes honestly felt like an hour and i just this is the part of the show this this is why I'm glad they went back and they they read they basically made a different ending is because this one was incredibly frustrating, difficult to watch. Um, I don't want to sit there and listen to a character talk about himself and be in his own head for, for two episodes. That being said, all the stuff that we just said about Shinji applies here, right? He's dealing with this depression. He's dealing with all these emotions and feelings. Like it's one of those things I think it's good to watch and experience. And if you go in with the perspective of knowing what Ano was dealing with, you can you can tough it out. But from an entertainment perspective, God, it was awful. Like it just it just drags so long, and it's like, I mean, nailed on chalkboards. So that's that's really what I thought about the final two episodes. I, I really I, I hated it honestly. For me, the second episode, I've I've watched the whole series from beginning to end maybe three times. For me, the second episode plays really well, but the fr- but yeah, the finale is where. I mean, there's things in it that I like a lot, and I I think it was a really creative way to finish, you know, you have a last episode and no money, what do you do? Um, And I appreciate what it's doing, but for me, it's it's really just the last episode that kind of tries me a little bit. Yeah, I'd I'd agree with that. Uh, They, I mean, they probably could have easily condensed both of those into a single episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which, why didn't they? they? Maybe they were trying to fill all their time slots? I don't know. I'm sure it was something contractual. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I'm sure somebody will, will correct me and be like, no, it was all according to plan from the very beginning. <laughs> <laughs> it was written in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we even forgot to mention the Dead Sea Scrolls thing, which is another... Well, yeah, I, I mean, mean the, that, a that's essentially... The Dead Sea Scrolls basically outline all of this stuff, and that's kind of what Seal are going off of in their pursuit of, I guess... And, you know, I guess they're... they're, they're plan is basically they secretly are trying to initiate the third impact and yeah their 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 basic map and clues to that are all in the dead sea scrolls um yeah and, that, and that's a cool reference only because like it the dead sea scrolls are a real thing that um basically a bunch of very old scripture original manuscripts were found and it validated some older manuscripts for for the for like biblical text which is kind of cool so like that reference is meaningful to me. It may not be to other people, but I thought it was pretty neat. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, man, that that's the series really. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, if I had to pick my favorite episodes, um, I, uh, I like the, uh, I like the one where, uh, Shinji is basically like liquefied. <laughs> 
um, uh, the one where they're uh, on the uh, the ocean and that the water angel attacks. Um, and I, I really like the first episode. And um, and Satchiel is really cool, too. So, um, I don't know. Do you guys have any favorite moments? I, I do think that uh, Asuka's battle sequences are always pretty awesome, just because of how intense her character always is. And she's essentially the one Ava pilot that, like, well, Ray's pretty good, too, but, like, she's always the one that has to take up the, the, the mantle in the, in the fights and her, her, any fight that she's in is great. Um, the berserker scene specifically with Ava unit one is, is really awesome. I like the, uh, the dance dance revolution episode. (laughs) 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 They where you know, uh, there's, there's two angels that, have to be defeated right at the same time, so, so she yeah, and they, Asuka have to get in perfect sync. And, yeah, they have to like sync with each other to like to defeat it. That's a, that's also a cool angel too, the one that yeah they it keeps multiplying. Um. Uh. So um, yeah, I, the, and, and I think in in my case, it like I really liked all of the the monster of the week ones, and I think that's just sort of my background that yeah. like. They're, they're see, like, I, oh, I, this one is in, in lava. And, see, oh, this I, one. I like that stuff, but like, I really like the direction they went where it was like, you know, I mean, I've seen Monster of the Week kind of shows. So for them to use that format and essentially subvert it and turn it into something completely wacko and psychoanalytical and weird, you know, I can see why people who like especially like the first handful of episodes like they're so lighthearted they're they border on being like on like sitcom humor like matt mentioned like the dick jokes and stuff like that like once you're past like episode 16 the show is essentially like a misery trip <laughs> <laughs> and it like it, it's i don't know if i've seen a show that's just switched it up like it's this lighthearted monster of the week kind of anime romp where you have all the goofy anime humor and cliches and like oh the nervous guy has like what looks like the waterfalls of tears coming down his face like stuff like that and then yeah after a while it's just like there's none of that to be found well i mean even even the stuff that is initially played comedically like haha misato sure drinks a lot of beer yeah, then you're like, oh, she's actually like a. T- it's actually because she's got a crippling alcohol problem and self esteem self esteem issues. Like, it's like I said, like take like the Science Patrol of Ultraman and then like find out like what their childhoods were like and like no, just just fucked them up in every way possible, and that is even <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is. Uh, it's not going to be for everyone, but it's a really interesting approach to that kind of show. Um, I don't know if is any. I don't know if anyone's really like attempted it since. I'm sure someone's tried to make their own like knockoff, but I don't know. Kevin, is there anything <laughs> that's like taken this and like really kind of like made it this psycho psychological like examination of existence? Uh, there were a whole ton of sort of imitators after evangelion came out uh and i mean they from from different perspectives i mean i think the the most obvious one is is razafon but i mean even i mean we mentioned big o before the ending of that gets really out there 
but you know, this, this was also when you had things like uh, uh, Serial Experiments Lane came out after Evangelion, and uh, you had, um, gosh, all sorts of things. Bokurano is more recent, of like, hey, this is little kids piloting robots, and it's miserable. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, you had darker, darker series like Berserk that might not, you know, that was a manga existing beforehand, but that might not have gotten made into an anime before Evangelion made, you know, bad endings popular. <laughs> uh, but on the other hand, you had things like uh, parallel experiments. Uh, oh gosh, some something dual. Dual is the the um, series there that's basically an Evangelion parody. That's by the same uh, studio that did Tenchi Muyo, so it's 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 got bits in it that are like, oh, this is that shot from Evangelion, but like overall the story is is lighthearted humor, which uh, that that's a that that's a good palate cleanser, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm probably gonna look into some of those. This is what happens every time Kevin talks, and this is what whenever I go to a G Fest panel of yours, like. You just rattle off these titles, and I just I just need to like notate them in my phone or something, and then I come home and I have like a list of like ten things that I need to Google. <laughs> that's why that's you're cool. here. <laughs> I, I have a question. That's uh, let's see here. Um, do we rate this now or do we wait for the new ending? That's a question. I have. Uh, well, we can do both. So, without taking the end of Ava finale into account. Um, I don't know how many uh, emotionally, sexually, and spiritually, and existentially messed up 14-year-olds would you give the series out of five? So, I'm at... This is so weird because I'm, I'm very confused by this. But I think the ending, specifically takes it down a notch for me and so i'm at a two and a half there's 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 a lot of stuff i do like there's also that said a lot of stuff that's either difficult to sit through and process or like makes me never want to watch it again and i think that puts me right in the middle because i think there's a lot of cool ideas here as well but once it takes that left turn it takes it so abruptly and so sharply that for me it really feels like a negative um and again we we, we talked about all the reasons why so i'm sitting at a a two and a half but it feels like a positive two and a half more than anything. All right, I was going to so. say, that that's below average. Well, I mean, I think that you'll see why when we talk about the, the ending. Okay, because I, I think, yeah, I think I want to do a score for this, a score for the movie, and then we'll rescore it as one thing. So, yeah. um, Kevin, why don't you go uh, ahead and give it I'm going to give it a, a 3.33. <laughs> you cannot uh something i don't have like a pun. redo with the, with the <laughs> yeah i was i was gonna i was gonna try and make a pun out of it but i couldn't <laughs> okay i so, cannot quantify <laughs> so okay so you're at a little above average okay um for me it's one of those things where it's really just a matter of taste i think because you guys i mean you guys are right in that the show is messy and at certain times it's sloppy, just like the characters. And though that's all valid. Uh, for me, it more most most of it works uh, for me. And 
I mean, that's with all the frustration that comes with it. Um, I mean, sometimes I kind of like to be pushed and provoked and frustrated in a certain kind of way. Like, for me, I'm a big fan of David Lynch and Twin Peaks, and, like, this third Twin Peaks season, I mean, so much of it is just was just weird and off the rails and completely frustrating, but it's, like, it's frustrating in a way that is refreshing. And maybe that sounds like nonsense to some people maybe it doesn't yeah, i don't know <laughs> but well i mean it's it's one of those things where like if i'm going to compare it to twin peaks season three it's like this is so different from what you anyone would have thought it was because it's not this nostalgia trip and it's really dragging out certain things and it's really making me wonder where what everything means and i can't figure it out and that is frustrating but at the same time it's refreshing that to see someone like david lynch come in and create this thing just adhering to his vision and what he wants to do with it and if i don't understand everything that doesn't have to be a bad thing and so i can apply i think my sentiments toward eva are similar i don't quite always understand what it is but I'm okay with that, and I might not even supposed to understand all of it. So, um, that being said, the things that don't really work for me, like, in the last half, which is, like, I, I favor the second half, the stuff with Koaru doesn't really land with me. Like I said, I mean, they go, th they fly through it in one episode, um, and yeah, I mean, uh, for as much as I appreciate how they kind of troubleshooted having to do that, an ending with their resources i mean yeah that last episode without the movie we're gonna talk about i don't know what i would think of it so i'm gonna give the sh the series as a whole a four 